everybody, how's it going? We want to welcome you back to Potion Equip for episode two. Uh, Mal and I are going to be talking about a few different things. Most notably, we are going to be talking about Crisis on Infinite Earths and The Boys, the big new hit series on Amazon. This is Peter Hernandez along with my partner in crime. Hi, I'm Mal. So, Mallory has yet to finish The Boys. <laughs> I'm disappointed in her, but it's understandable. She has mom duties. And, and technical difficulties. I had to buy a new TV. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> it's, it's what happens with uh, whiskey and Nerf guns. And yeah, and children. Children, yeah. It's So, first and foremost, if you haven't seen The Boys, it is not a kid-friendly series. Um, I've talked to a few people about this, and the best way I can explain it, it is... I was saying it was The Avengers meets Game of Thrones, but after thinking about it, I think it's more of Justice League meets Game of Thrones. Yes, or my my vision that I came up with of how I feel, it, it would be like... If Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels was in a comic universe. There you go. That's a <laughs> great example right there. So if if you're one of the few people that haven't seen the show yet, it basically tells the story of what superheroes would be like if they were real in today's society and shows their narcissism and how insane they can be. And it's truly a well-written and great show if you if you're a fan of the Watchmen movie you're absolutely gonna love this I can say that hands down yeah and the thing that really uh, I've only seen up until um, episode three the very ending of it um, but the thing that really gripped me the most obviously is uh, female empowerment and there's a certain character on the show that is just absolutely hands down I guess the most best way I could say is that I feel seen. <laughs> she really embodies, you know, a lot of different moments and different things and a lot of, um, a lot of character changes within just the first few episodes. She, she's not naive. She's not a two dimensional damsel in distress, but she gives you hope. So that for me, that was just really the selling point. And for those who have already seen it and can't figure out who she's talking about, she is talking about Starlight. Yes. Does a phenomenal job um, as a character. And uh, Aaron Moriarty, who is playing Starlight, um, truly embodies her and creates a character that you just can't help but to get behind. Especially yeah. in t today's society when you yes. see everything going on in our political structure, in the religious world, things like that. And... You see uh, a beautiful woman who's taking a stand and saying, hey, she's not going to do this anymore. And it's going to be about her and her best interests. And it's truly something we need nowadays. Yes. And, and the, the main thing, too, that I really love about the character of Annie January is that she's very methodical in the way that she takes takes things into consideration. And she's she doesn't just strike and, you know, just kind of go off, off the rails. She's very... You know, everything that she does is very calculated and she's trying to keep her best interest at heart at the same time while trying to help other people. And um, I've read a little bit of the comics of the boys. And so I was kind of apprehensive up until I found out that, um, you know, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, Eric Kripke, um, a lot of the other producers, uh, even uh, Dan Trachtenberg uh, directed the first episode. And I'm a huge fan of his podcast as well. And um, so I, instantly I was sold. And um, the one thing that really also sold me 
was the fact that Carl Urban yes. was made for this role. He is phenomenal. It's almost very dread-like for him. Yes. Where he truly embodies it. You feel his passion, his pain, and when you learn everything that happens, you, you can't help but get behind and support him. And the the end, the season finale, a major twist, and I'm not going to spoil it because I really want yeah. to see it. It is insane what happens, and you can't help but feel bad for Billy Butcher in the show. And Carl Urban really just embodies that and does a great job. Well, the thing, too, that I love so much about his, his portrayal of Billy Butcher is that it felt very personal. It felt like he honestly wanted to take on this role because not only is it kind of synonymous with all of the other roles that he's played, but it's also where he gets to do something completely different and kind of step out of his usual hero boundaries and he gets to be kind of this anti-hero that you also feel for. Um, Because whenever I was reading The Boys and I had first... My first, like, I guess my first impression of Billy Butcher would be, in a lot of ways, kind of like the Punisher, where he's a guy that, you know, he just, he wants to help people, but the way that he goes about it is very unconventional. And, so. and, and if you can't hear that right <laughs> now, we do actually have a special guest this week, Peach the Cat, who is joining us and is going to be providing commentary as we record this episode. Yes. She loves the boys as well. and She, she has a lot to say, and... Uh, you know, she's uh, she's watched it all up until season... I would say her favorite show is probably The X-Files up until the season when they brought in, uh, you know, Doggett and Reyes. Uh, but she says that uh, The Boys is probably her favorite show up there with X-Files. So, you know. So, so she has good taste. Yes, yes. I mean, the thing about The Boys is it's... The highest rated superhero series currently on IMDb, it's beaten out Daredevil. It's currently sitting at an 8.9 out of 10 versus Daredevil's like 0.7. And I mean, Seth Rogen, the whole team has done a phenomenal job behind the series. Amazon did a really insane, amazing job in the advertising for this. Yeah. It was all over the place and you kind of got the feeling that they had a big, they knew they had a big hit. Yes, and I was reading too that although Amazon did Amazon hasn't released any viewing metrics or figures specifically, but Jennifer Saki, uh, head of Amazon, said that you know basically this has surpassed their predictions for viewing in just two weeks. The first two weeks, it had already surpassed every other show that they had released up until that point. It is the most watched Amazon original series for Prime Video customers to this day, passing up, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but Fleabag, that had a huge, huge, amazing draw, as well as uh, Marvelous Miss, Mrs. Maisel, and this has already like passed up both of them, so I can't wait to see what happens at award season. I really, really hope yes. that they get represented. I'm, because I'm hoping it cleans up, and just an FYI, if you are looking to binge this series, it can be a little bit difficult to binge because the episodes are an hour and a half long apiece. Yes, and that's been my struggle. I have to uh, hide in my room on my laptop with my headphones in order to watch it because my kids love superheroes and I have to explain to them, this is not Avengers fun. <laughs> this is not good superheroes. These are soups. They're different. <laughs> it is very different. I mean, it's even been to the point where Amazon has had to say no to a couple scenes and... 
since it's been so popular, uh, Amazon has already greenlit uh, season two, and they're and they're filming it right now, and they're trying to figure out how to work certain characters in because they're very extreme. It yes, is what it is. yes, and even in the comic, for instance, with Starlight's costume in that one uh, episode where they told her, you know, basically after the the scene where she took down. Uh, those two guys, which not to be spoiler, but she pretty much went viral for, you know, being off duty and taking down two terrible people. And then it ended up working in her favor. And then so they congratulated her on that and said, oh, by the way, here's your new costume. And, you know, so she ended up having to wear it. But in the comic, the costume is much worse. It's, it's definitely way more risque. So I kind of like that in the fact, like that they they made it bad but it wasn't it wasn't bad to the point where it was grotesque which is what it, yeah. it could have been so i kind of like that they're that they're pumping the brakes on a few things because you know reading those comics was kind of hard for me and i actually put it down at one point just because i moved on to something else but it was just it was kind of difficult to really get through you know, one relationship in that series I really love was uh, Tomar Kapans and Karen Fukuharu. So, Tomar plays Frenchie. Yes. And uh, Karen plays, uh, basically she doesn't have a name, they're just identifying her as a female. So she's the yeah. uh, Asian character in the movie who just is a total kick-ass and at one point breaks A-Train's leg when uh, he's trying to apprehend her. And their relationship on how they build everything up is really awesome and that's the thing that i love too so much about this show already is the just the the general diversity of all of the characters and how they typically you wouldn't expect all of these people to be friends work together get along but yet they all come together because of the same common enemy and the same people that they basically want to get revenge on and that's beautiful. You don't see that often. No, and, and then you see the ups and downs. You, you see the hilarity. Uh, there's a, if you get the chance, I highly recommend you YouTube the Spice Girl scene. It's yes, that's actually what sold me. I had never even watched the show because I was like, I what I do typically, I don't like to watch too many trailers to where it gives away things. And I don't want to have expectations. You know, I want to just kind of go in it blindly and just kind of form my own opinion. And a friend of mine uh, actually said, well, you really need to finish this season because here's this one scene. And Carl Urban said everything that we've all been thinking and that we all know about the Spice Girls. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, what, what really sold it for me is I randomly, I, I forgot the series had started and it was a couple of days after. I was like, oh, you know what? Let me go ahead and check this out now. And it was in episode one where Jack Quaid plays Huey and he's with his girlfriend and then out of nowhere she explodes and I'm like what the hell just happened Yeah. and you can't feel help but feel bad for him because loses his girlfriend they're talking about moving in together and all he has left is a pair of hands yes and literally the first words out of my mouth and I took this area was like oh she dead yeah <laughs> you can't help but I think I say that. you she dead well that was the thing too that I love so much about this is I can't remember where it was Maybe it was on E-Bombs World, but it was a few years ago. It was around the time of The Dark Knight. And it was a, it was talking about how, you know, superheroes are actually really not good guys. Because what about that, what about that amazing corner store that just got 
the Batmobile blown into it. What about when all those cars and Transformers got flipped over? There was people in those cars. What are their insurance policies? Could you imagine calling Allstate being like, hey, sorry, um, there was this crazy space invasion in Manhattan and now my home is missing. I don't know where it went. <laughs> you know, I mean, so you got to think about these things. Like, what about the people involved? It's interesting. As a matter of fact, it was uh, NBC a couple of years ago actually tried to launch a TV show about that. So it was called Powerless, and it was basically about the insurance people who have to take care of the convenience stores, uh, cars, and everything after the superheroes destroy everything. And, yeah. Uh, it uh, Vanessa Hudgens, I think, was the star of it, and it just it never got picked Aww. up. They, a lot of people did it, but what excited me was that um, uh, Alan Tudyk was supposed to be at have a big role in it so oh. the potential was there but I love both of them that would have been amazing well they did kind of touch on it in in you know the Avengers yes. when, when they did the whole you know you destroyed Manhattan and you know who's, paying, who's for... paying for this you know but at least the Avengers were nice enough to you know kind of it, admit that it happened whereas the soups and the you know yeah. and the boys they're uh they see nothing wrong with their actions and they continue to do terrible things without consequences. And this is the ultimate revenge, yeah. amazing series that we all really just kind of can, everyone can relate to it. So speaking of that, let's talk about Anthony Starr's portrayal as the Homelander. Yes. The twisted Superman, Captain America, who everybody loves, but is probably the most sadistic bastard there is and that's what i also want to talk about because i was thinking about this recently what if and this has always been my thing um i know i was born on july 4th and i do love captain america but i've always thought what if he snapped well, what what if steve rogers snapped what if superman snapped that, that happened uh two three years ago when he was supposedly a secret Hydra. Yes, whenever he ended up siding with the with Hydra and, and the Nazis. And, that, and for those who didn't read the comics, it, it didn't work. Yeah. The Mar Marvel knew they made the mistake. Yeah, Mar Marvel's like, okay, sorry about that. Let, let's pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. Sweep that under the rug. But but, but Homelander. I, yes, I love the fact that there is a we're we're starting not only with you know the whole female empowerment of Starlight. Um, but there's also this aspect that's proving that it doesn't matter how powerful you are. It doesn't matter how much is in your bank account. It doesn't matter how many fans love you. It doesn't matter how many people adore you. You, you still have to face consequences for your actions, yeah. you know? And someone eventually is going to have enough to where they're going to stand up against you, so... And, and Billy Butcher and Carl Urban plays that role as Billy Butcher to stand up against the homelander when nobody else wants to. Exactly. Like, Everyone else is too afraid, and he's like, you know what? I have nothing else to lose. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. And then you, you, you see... You can't help but grow to love hate homelander. Yes. It's, there's um, the, the scene with the airplane. That was where I was like, okay, I need to take... After that episode, I was like, I the, it, it stressed me out because I have kids, you know, and I also... I don't have a fear of flying, but I've never been on a private plane before, and I'm just, like, deathly afraid of the thought of it. <laughs> so after that episode, I was like, oh, gosh, I, I really need to go to bed. That was stressful. <laughs> um, and Miles just FYI, it gets progressively worse with another airplane scene. Oh, wow. Yes. So, yeah. so you, you'll see that as you progress through it. And well, that, that gives me more incentive to drink while I watch it. So. <laughs> exactly. 
But if you haven't had the chance, I highly, highly, highly recommend you move the boys up on your watch list. It's, again, not a show for the kids, but phenomenal. Yeah. That, think early Game of Thrones where they're building the characters yes. and you just can't help but fall in love with it because it's so damn good. Yes. It's like, wow. And I'm just so happy as, again, as a huge hardcore Supernatural fan to see Eric Kripke in all of his glory at it again because I was very upset whenever his last uh, show, Timeless, ended up not working out. So for this, you know, Supernatural ending and now he has something else that he's doing, I'm just so glad to see him flourish and he continues to thrive and I'm just so happy for him. Thank you, Eric. Yes, thank you very much. And as I mentioned earlier, they, they are re, uh, recording uh, season two right now. It's in the middle of production. And uh, as soon as Amazon saw the phenomenal reviews and the ratings, they relit it immediately and can't wait for it to come out. I mean, Simon Pegg does a phenomenal yes, job. Yes, and I actually heard, uh, this is crazy. I was reading up on this earlier, and this is uh, it says that according to... Um, one of the artists that Huey was drawn in the comics to resemble Simon yes. Pegg after he saw Simon Pegg in space, and Pegg thought he was too old to play Huey, so then they ended up getting him to do the dad, and he, of course, obviously, is perfect. It's amazing. Yes. And, and honestly, I felt... I didn't feel he was old enough to play Huey's dad. I, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I had my daughter when I was 20, yeah. and I, I, you know... When, when you look at it like that, it makes we're sense. We're like Gilmore Girls, where people are like, whoa, you have a kid that's, you know, almost a teenager, and you're you're only 32, and then I have to explain, you know, sometimes people have kids early, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, there's two characters we haven't... Or I touched on one briefly earlier, but the other one we haven't talked about yet. That's Chase Crawford as the D. Okay, so I've been like, that's another thing that I have been texting all of my friends from high school and telling them, please, for the love of God, please watch this because I love Chase Crawford as an actor. He is an amazing, underrated actor because I used to watch Gil. I, I'm not proud of this, but I, I used to love Gossip Girl. Okay, I am proud of it. It's okay. I loved the books, and then so the series was a little bit different than what we all expected, and it was totally, you know, it was very C, very CW, you know. Yes. But I love him as an actor. I think that he is brilliant. He made me honestly believe that he was a child of bureaucrats who was entitled and not the best person in the world, but yet, even though he was so terrible in Gossip Girl, he still made it redeeming. And that's not something you see often in a young actor to where they're able to basically give you a character that makes you so conflicted as to whether or not you love or hate them. And he brings that in the deep. Yes. He brings that completely because I understand how Starlight or anyone else would have been drawn in to trust this person, to, you know, have hope and faith that he's a great, amazing hero that could really help and save people. But then you see this dark side to him and it's disgusting and you're you're just completely appalled and shocked. But at the same time, you should have seen it coming. Yeah, you, 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 you know. Uh, as a guy, I felt a little dirty about it. It's like, okay, you know what? Not cool, dude. 
but you, you can tell there's a glimmer there that he does care about helping people. Yeah. You see that he cares about the sea. He's playing, best, best way I could put it is like a BC level Aquaman. Yes, and he's very passionate about his job, and he does honestly care about saving people and helping people and being there for his fans and his, you know, the, the kids that he's going to, to see and, you know... Oh, you had a poster of me on the wall whenever you were a teenager? How cool. Oh, by the way, I'm a creeper. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and there's a lot of people like that in real life that exist that are, you know, and that's another thing that I love about this series so much is that even though superheroes don't exist in this realm that we currently live in, there are people who are just like the soups. Mm-hmm. And... So, and Chase Crawford just really brought that out as being, you know, the guy that you thought would be really kind and you could bring him to grandma and, you know, have some cookies and then come to find out he's just really disgusting. So Exactly. <laughs> Finally, we touched earlier about it when we talked about uh, Karen Fukuhara and uh, Jesse Usher as A-Train. Oh, uh, and see, that's another, that's another character that I feel conflicted on because... I felt like A-Train, in a way, reminds me a lot of that one character from a TV show that you feel is caught in a situation that they don't want to be in, Mm -hmm. but they do it anyway because they don't know what else to do, and they're, you know, they're they're kind of in a, um, a weird state where they don't they can't leave they but they know that everything is wrong they know that yes. that there's trouble and they know that they're they are aware and they're awakened to the fact that there's a problem but they're just not sure how to go about doing it and i kind of i haven't again i haven't watched the whole you know series but in a way i kind of feel like a train is that character that we all could really empathize with yeah, he's he's kind of like the modern day sports athlete. He yeah. w- wants to be the best uh, in the series. He wants to be the fastest man alive. So he's a version of the Flash. And if you're, if you're not familiar with Jesse Usher, the first time I ever saw him was in uh, Independence Day Resurgence. So the sequel. Yes. He's playing Will Smith's son, and it wasn't the greatest of movies, <laughs> but he, he did a decent job as a character. And as you're watching it, and you, you see why he accidentally kills um, Huey Camp's girlfriend and you start to understand what he's going through and why he's doing it. It's Do you feel bad for him? A little bit. Yeah. Is it the right thing? Absolutely not. Yes. But he's out there to prove a point and he wants to do, the, do what he feels is right and he's frustrated. I mean, there's a scene towards the end uh, when his leg gets broken and uh, and he starts feeling the racism from people. People don't recognize him because he's not in his suit and he's on crutches. And as a minority, you can't but help but feel for him because, yes. you know, it's a struggle. Well, also, too, Homelander, even I remember in the comics, Homelander at one point was threatening him. Yep. And at one point, they even kind of touched on this in the show, like in a quick clip. Um, who was it? One of the other suits were supposed to be there, uh, but instead. 
It was Homeland. No, was it Homelander? Was supposed to visit the kid in the hospital. Yeah. And he didn't show, and instead it was A Train. And the kid was like, "I really wanted to see Homelander," and he's like, "Sorry," and it's just like really awkward for him. And I felt for him at that moment, like you know, like we've all been in situations where it's like, "Sorry, I have to cover for someone else," and I know you're not expecting me, but here I am. This is my job. (laughs) I just kind of like really like that kind of you know, I was like, "Whoa!" Like. Okay, this guy, this yeah. poor guy. <laughs> okay, so that wasn't Homelander. It was the guy who goes invisible. Um, oh, translucent. Thank you. Yes, it was translucent. Uh, I, was like, like, I remember the, the whole back and forth where he's not true. Which invisible. also, too, that was the first thing that I had to pause because I was laughing so hard whenever he uh, Butcher was talking about translucent. And he said something about light. He, yes. he was like... Uh, like, you know, it's semi-transparent. And he's like, which doesn't make any sense because you're invisible. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's like, yes. It's great back and forth. And, <laughs> and to me, Translucent has a spoiler alert, just FYI, has one of the best deaths in the show. Oh, oh, and that also, that's another thing that, that I, I jumped up out of my seat. I was like, yes. Um, it reminded me of that scene in Supernatural when Cass makes i oh gosh what season was that cast basically castiel in supernatural season 99, I he, he, right he snapped his fingers and someone exploded oh, yes. and they said that whenever they filmed it how the only way that they could really portray this explosion of a body like at that propulsion and that like level of just like boom like exploding was to take hot and sour soup and burst it and so when I saw that scene that was perfect Eric Kripke just I mean I it was like I had a flashback of that scene of Supernatural whenever he just gets sprayed in the face and it was almost like scene by scene in fact if I get bored I'll make an edit of that where it's Supernatural on one side and then the boys on the other but it was just like boom and it was just guts and everything and I was just like that's hot and sour soup <laughs> I mean, but it's, again, The Boys, phenomenal show. You haven't watched it. It has potential to be the next Game of Thrones. And I love gore, and I will say, like, and I'm I'm real big into horror and gore, and it, it, it reaches my standards. Uh, it has it all, sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh. superheroes that are worshipped, and definitely highly recommend it. And if it was uh, on a blood level as to, like, how gory it is, just so that people who also like horror and gore can understand, um, it's basically up there with Dead Alive. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> She's not wrong, folks. She's not wrong. All right. So that is uh, all I have for the boys. Now, you have anything else? No. And I'm so excited to talk about the other things. Alright, so before we jump into our next TV series that we're going to talk about here, um, let's talk about Jim Carrey real quick. Yes. So, Jim Carrey is somebody we really haven't heard a lot from lately. Um, He's had a few spats uh, via Twitter with some political people, and he's gotten into it with Donald Trump a few times, and so on and so on and so on. But for those who don't know... He is going to be coming out in the new Sound of the Hedgehog movie, playing Dr. Robotic. And yes. if you have, if you don't know the story behind this, the long short of it is they basically butchered Sonic. 
Yes, and it made me really sad because the casting, I love Ben Schwartz, John Ralphio. You know, I just, I love all of the cast. All of the cast, to me, seemed absolutely, I mean, just, I was just mind blown that they could mess this up. (laughs) And and, and it's honestly, they they had just one job. Yeah. It was to get Sonic right and Paramount blew it. And... The interesting thing is Tim Miller, who's producing the movie, admits, he goes, we blew it. He goes, we were talking about it, we looked at everything. The fan backlash was immense. And if you haven't seen the trailer, I highly recommend you go on YouTube, check it out. And Sonic just looks horrible. It looks like, um, no offense to any high school students, but it looks like a high school student drew yes. it and animated it. And I actually tweeted uh, with a couple other... Uh, <laughs> couple other writers about this and they basically said it looks like someone was cosplaying as Sonic yes, while they were drunk. <laughs> so for those who know me personally it's something stupid I would do when I'm drunk for Comic Palooza. Yes, yes. Or or it would be like a last minute costume thing where yes. it's like oh, oh no, I need to dress up. I don't have a costume. Here, be right back and then you just get some felt and blue paint yeah so jim carrey uh, did an interview with variety and makes a very interesting statement that i thought about this so he acknowledges that fans have a sense of ownership over the character and he goes on to say we'll have to see what this entails he goes it's not about the backlash but it's gonna happen how it happens it's either gonna be a good thing or a bad thing but he brings up a good point. He goes, sometimes you find that the, the collective consciousness decides it wants something, and then when it gets it, it's okay. I don't want it. But should the fans have that much of a say-so in a character? Yeah, well, here's the only thing that I, and this is just kind of, again, touching on what I said before. I, I really don't, I don't like to watch all of the trailers because... I mean, you're only, you're, you're being marketed a constructed perception of something and you haven't even seen the finished product. So in a lot of ways, I, I'm one of these people where some of my most favorite movies are cult classics. When they first came out, my favorite movie of all time is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Second would probably be Amelie. But these movies, it took a lot of time for people to really appreciate them and, you know, for what, what they did and changed and all these things. And with that being said, a long time ago, we didn't really have a lot of access to early, you know, sneak peeks or like, and I'm even trying to work on this too with like, I'm, I'm writing a book, I'm doing music. I'm trying to really like keep away from constantly sharing things before the finished product is ready and i felt like they jumped the gun they shouldn't have they should have really you know gotten with either you know a focus group or or just work to perfect it before you just unveil it like that and the thing that like really solidified a lot of the fans backlash for me is that a the proportions of sonic are wrong yes his legs were very long. His arms were insane. He's wearing, like, shoes that look like they came from Payless. I mean, it just... And as a, as a yeah, huge... Don't, don't like Payless. Yes. I, I wore those as a kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, as a fan of Sonic, you would think that they would really 
He would have Nikes. He would have yeah, Pumas. He, he would, would have... He would be... And not only that, but, like, his face didn't feel youthful. It felt like he was older. And it was just like, whoa, what has Sonic been through? You know? And so when I was reading a lot of, on, on the backlash and how they're saying that they want to make it right... But, I mean, this kind of goes, and and I don't mean to go and jump on a different tangent, but look at the Cats trailer. Yes. I mean, good Lord. Like, I mean, don't release a trailer like that unless actually, it's... Actually, you know what? Speaking of Cats, look at the cat in the hat. Yes. Super creepy, and it's... Yeah. It's like, come on, folks. Really. Well, see, although on the flip of that, I did watch Dumbo with my kids. and I'm sorry. I, And I know a lot of people really upset about that movie and they were like oh it's crazy my kids don't understand design they don't understand what is good cgi they don't understand what is good things so i'm sitting there and i'm watching it and i'm not saying anything i'm not judging it i'm just letting them watch the movie they were crying they were so happy they were laughing they love that movie and so at the end of the day, is this Sonic the Hedgehog movie for children or is it for adults? Because if it's for children and it's honestly marketed towards children, I'm going to tell you right now, my kids are going to love it. They don't mm-hmm. care. I mean, you look at some of the crap that people watch on YouTube. Like my kids watch some of the weirdest things. You know, they'll watch these shows on Netflix and I'm like, this looks like it was literally made by interns. <laughs> you know, so I mean... If, if my kids like it, we're probably going to end up just having to suck it up and watch it. <laughs> so. I mean, that's true. And this is something I tend to get passionate about. And, uh, we saw this with Iron Man 3 where a lot of your diehard comic fans didn't like it. But what we have to remember is movies are not generally made for fans. Yeah. They are made for the broader audience and they want to be inclusive to everybody. And it's just marketing. At the end of the day, it's like who is going to be our biggest persona? Who is going to be our biggest demographic? Who's going to be the one that's going to, you know, and and I mean, I could could say the same, like one of my uh, most favorite books of all time that I read my children every night, ever since both one of, ever since they were babies, both of them, The Little Prince. Mm Mm-hmm. People ripped that movie a new one. They were like, this is not the book. There's these new characters. What is happening? And I'm like, okay, well, there is a character in that book that was a straight-up alcoholic. How are you going to portray that in a movie for children? You know, like, the book was written in the 1940s. So then we got to think about Sonic. That was created in the 80s. It was very campy. It was very, you know, 8-bit. And so kids today, other than Minecraft, aren't really going to understand classic gaming i mean i have to drive this into my kids all the time i i look luckily for them i still have my nes super nes gamecube i need to refurbish my 64 but had had i not done that they would never know who mario is they would never know who sonic is they have these new games that they could play on the Which Switch. Which you for your kids will never have to see the Mario movie. That's true. Oh, they have, actually. Oh, Unfortunately, sorry. it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix now for kids. And my son sees Mario, and he's like, yay! And then he clicks it, and he's like, what are these grown men, like, live-action people doing? You know? So, I mean, at the same time, I mean, think about it like that. Think about all this... Sh- you, you just can't make a video game movie. No. You just can't. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting to that point. I think a great example is the upcoming Mortal Kombat movie, 
which I absolutely love the first oh. Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, I did too. It's cheesy as hell. Yes. The graphics and everything done were, at the time for great, you watch it now, it's horrible, but it's one of those cult movies where the, you have phenomenal one-liners. Yeah. You couldn't help but love the cheesy characters, but in the new upcoming movie, they've already confirmed it's going to be rated R. They confirmed it's going to be fatalities evolved. They say it's going to be true to the original Mortal Kombat game. Or same with the Street Fighter movie. Yes. I was thinking about that. I was like, man, if they ever try to do Street Fighter, like, please, for the love of God, let Kylie Minogue come back as Cammy. <laughs> like, just, I don't know how that would work, um, but just like... I'm upset that we will never be able to see Raul Julia as M. Bison again. Yes. I mean, I'm oh. sorry, but he's picked one of the he's smallest people in the world. Yeah, I mean, just like, you know, it's just one of those moments... But I will say this, though. I kind of, in a way, I hope that this whole Sonic backlash will kind of make people step back and realize this is another thing that we... People have been saying this for decades now. Every video game movie that comes out completely... I wouldn't say that it, that it disappoints expectations, but it's like... Why can't you do it right? I and you know what? it's not limited to just video game movies. Um, anime too. Anime. Yeah. That's a big one. We take the Dragon Ball Z movie that people were. Yes, and all the whitewashing with. I. It's just like. And it's not even that. Take take DC for example. Yeah. People are willing to forgive Marvel because they explained, and since Disney got involved, they tell, hey, you know what? It's not going to be like the comics. We're going to take that aspect of the comics. We're going to do what's write for the movies and bring those factors in but at the yeah. same time we want to tell our own stories yeah and that works for them whereas you look at dc you have too many people who at the top making decisions oh we want to do this this and this but then you have a true diehard fanboy like Zack snyder who wants to do right yeah and he can't because people are jumping in and doing this and doing that and they'll bring in a different producer a different director and the fans hate it. They butcher yeah. it, which the Justice League well, yeah. is a movie. It yeah. is what it is. I mean, completely. And also, too, um, another thing, since we're talking about DC, and I know that we're going to eventually talk more about DC, um, I, have, I, I have DC Unlimited now. And I was so excited for Swamp Thing. Oh, my God. I was just... And I'm just like... You know, this is what we want. Yes. This is what we, the true fans, the true comic nerds, if I were to pick, like, honestly, like, I know I love Marvel movies, and everyone knows I named my kid Logan, and, I, and I'm obsessed with X-Men, <laughs> but if I honestly had to give my true opinion, I would have to say that I mostly side with DC, because that was my entrance. Mm -hmm two comics was reading Batman yes. was reading Superman was reading uh, actually one of the first graphic novels that I ever read that was not rated PG was The Killing Joke and it just made me fall in love with just graphic novels as, as just and just understanding like how these are completely set apart all these things but with that being said I feel like DC in a lot of ways they're giving us these things that we want and we love it and we're excited about it and then swoosh is done yes and and here's the thing we have to remember as fans 
the actors have no control over it. No, they do not. They, they can only do what the producers and directors tell them. And a lot of times, the directors might not have control. Yes, like when I went to uh, the Adobe Max conference in 2017, I saw John Favreau talk about The Lion King before it had, I mean, it had just been announced that he was doing The Lion King. He comes out there and he said, and I even have video video of this that I was not allowed to share because it's copyrighted content, but uh, he actually told the crowd several times during his panel, we're still in the production process. Yeah. We're still writing. We don't even know what's going to happen. All I'm saying is that here's my vision. Here's my idea. This is what, you know, this, this is, I'm keeping my eye on the prize, but the prize is going to change. And, and here's the thing. So, if, if you were some of the few who did see The Lion King, it, and I heard this consistently from everybody, it fell flat. Yeah, and that's what everyone is telling me. The, the, the big draw was Beyonce. And I heard, I, I haven't seen it. I will admit I haven't seen it, but I heard everybody say it's, it's basically her talking. There's no acting in it. Yes, and a lot of it, too, was that it was very realistic. And it was kind of, it, it was too realistic in a sense that, like, there wasn't, a lot of facial recognition and yeah. actually which is crazy because whenever I was at Adobe Max um, they were talking about how they were using uh, at the time AI technology and as well as AR um, which is I think it's called Adobe Sensei but it's like basically the same thing that Snapchat uses mm -hmm. where it creates these filters and it based off your face and it was just really exciting for me as a designer and as a developer to watch one of my heroes in front of me show me and showcase that day. It was like uh, kind of like what Apple does or what mm -hmm. you know other companies do. Where like today this is a it was in beta, but today it's available to everyone. You know, so they did that and they were talking about like all these different technologies that they use and you know all the amazing things. So I'm getting really pumped for it, and so I haven't seen it yet because I was about to buy tickets. They they sold out um, in all the areas that I live. I live in the sub in the suburbs, so it's really hard. We only have two theaters, so it's like if it sells out, sells out. Sorry, um, but yeah, my sister uh, saw it. Uh, a lot of my friends saw it, and they said, "Wait, wait yeah. until wait until you, it streams, and then you can watch it yourself." You know, and same with Aladdin. I I was really excited for Aladdin, um, but then I kind of saw you know the way that they did the the design. And we're going back to Sonic. But the whole thing, uh, there was this meme that said, uh, it was like a picture of Will Smith as, as the genie. And it said, hey, I'm a beloved blue character ready to ruin your childhood. And then here comes Sonic. And it said, hold my beer. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know? And, and I remember seeing that. And so going back to Jim Carrey, he goes, he brings up a point. The fans do have a say-so in it, but... Yeah. The reality of the matter is they don't owe the fans anything. Exactly. While, while we might buy the tickets, we might do whatever, a lot of times it's out of their control. And they're, at the end of the day, that's, and that's another thing, too, that I'm, I'm really trying to, uh, you know, kind of emphasize on my own and my own personal venture of doing music and writing and all these things is, you know, at the end of the day, it's a job. Yep. It's, it's a job. You're getting paid. You're, you're you're waking up you're getting dressed you're going to 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 a place and that you're getting paid and that is your job and you don't have a say so like for instance if you know um this is i <laughs> i was kind of reading into this and i kind of felt sorry for jim carrey like it really like tugged at my heart um think about what he's done 
Think about all the roles that he's done. He's done roles where he had to be in the snow for, like, eternal sunshine. Where he's, like, you know, out on the ice with Kate Winslet in the middle of who knows where they had to film. No telling at what time. You know, he's just there to do his job. And so, at the end of the day, of course, he's going to completely tell his side of the story and be like, hey, I'm sorry if you're upset with it, but I'm just trying to... You know, do what I need to do. Yeah. The reality is, for the average person like myself or Mal, or for the average person who's listening, if they're paying you seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars, oh yeah, okay, you know, I'm gonna do what you're gonna tell me to do. Yeah, as long as it doesn't compromise me. And for the majority of actors and actresses out there, it's not. It's they know they're playing a role. They know they're owning something. Yeah. Um, Mia Yokovich uh, with the Last Hellboy, which. Absolutely horrible movie. I wanted to get up and walk out of it several times. I didn't times. even watch. It's, it's <laughs> literally my, my, my co-worker, Joel, we, both me and him went to go see it. And he's like, dude, you paid for this movie. I, he has an AMC uh, pass. So he, he saw oh, it for free. So he's like, you paid for this. Kind of like the movie pass yeah, thing. <laughs> he goes, you stay here. And the day after we saw it, because we saw it on the, quote, Thursday sneak preview, that Friday, Mediokovic makes a comment. She goes, I know it's getting a lot of backlash and blah, 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 blah. She goes on this whole tangent, but truly it was a horrible movie, but she, we knew she didn't have a lot of control over that. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, too, that just, you know, a lot of people don't understand, and I'm, I'm slowly starting to learn this, like diving into the different industries that I do on the side, and uh, so a, a, lot of, a lot of times, like, you, you have this idea you have this vision and you give this vision to someone else well when you give that vision to someone else they own that vision that's not just your vision that's theirs so you're literally taking imagination and ideas out of your own head and your own heart and you're giving it to someone else and then they're saying this is mine now you know, so at the end of the day, and that's kind of what we're, you know, I, I tell my daughter this all the time because she's, uh, she's really into Stranger Things. It's her, like, she's 11. Her favorite character is 11. She's going as her for Halloween. I'm going as Robin. Like, I'm totally for this. My daughter is totally into it. And she loves horror. She loves, she loves supernatural things. She loves sci-fi. All these things. And so she comes to me all the time with, hey, mom, I have this fan theory, or I have this idea, or I have this that I heard, and I have to explain to her, at the end of the day, I know that that's great and everything, but that won't change anything. No. Because just like my book, the reason that it's taking me a long time for me to give my book out is because it keeps changing. And, and and it it keeps and you know and so I'm not able to really give it to someone concrete and say it's done because once it's done it's done you don't go back you don't rewrite it you can't undo it you can't redo it you can't get all those people involved because a creative project is not just one person it's several people exactly. who are involved and that's kind of how I feel with this you know is a lot of people yeah they're upset they don't like it they're they they want it to be redone whatever but at the end of the day what about all those people who worked painstakingly to edit all this stuff because i mean i'm a designer i went to school for design i 
I have spent hours working on things to give to a client and the client says, redo it. And I'm just almost in tears. And I'm like, that was nine months of work. Yeah. And the thing, <laughs> is, thing is, not everybody's going to be like DC and Marvel. They're not going to know they can hand a project over to a, somebody and let them run with it. Yeah. They're, they're not, they know they're not going to always get a, a Thor Ragnarok. They're not going to always get a, uh, end game. They're not going to get a, always going to get an infinity war. They're not always going to get a winter soldier. You might get your occasional Iron Man 2s, your occasional Thor 2s, where they're okay, they're good yeah. movies. They're going to get a lot of hate and a lot of flack, but for the average person, they take a step back like, hey, you know, I never grew up reading comic books. I never grew up in this world, but to me, they're a good movie. Yeah. I can enjoy it because they're, they're getting that first chance and that first opportunity to enjoy that character growth and development. Yeah. You saw the transition of uh, Robert Downey Jr. from Iron Man. The Iron Man 2 when he was getting poisoned and yes. he realized he's killing himself and he goes into that downward spiral and you could almost see that it was him taking his experiences from real life when he had alcoholism, yeah. drug addiction and you could tell he was able to bring that into that character and it all clicks together. Yeah, and that's and that's another thing too that, you know, I, I love Jim Carrey as an actor. Yes. Um, recently I've started noticing little things, um, about his previous movies. Um, and I've just, I, growing up as a kid, um, I wanted to be a comedian whenever I was a kid and Jim Carrey was my number one inspiration. I used to dress as Vera DeMilo from In Living Color, like do my hair in the pigtails. <laughs> like do fire marshal bill impressions you know and like i mean just everything he ever did in fact one time for uh for halloween i actually went as ace ventura uh in high school it was like celebrity spirit week or something and no one got my joke they were just like what are you doing in a hula shirt with your hair slicked back with gel and it was just like you know i had to explain i'm freaking ace ventura you know but the thing that I love so much about him is that how methodical he is with each character that he plays. And whenever the Truman Show came out, which I tried to get my kids to watch this recently, and they're like, Jim Carrey's not funny. I don't want to watch this. So um, my kids were getting excited about Jim Carrey being in this. They were getting so excited. Like, Sonic, was Jim Carrey? Yes. You know, they're totally all about it. I'm all about it. And so just, you know... I'm being like I, I'm at a level where like I'm I'm feeling for him like <laughs> you know like I'm I'm trying to like you know like I understand where he's coming from. And, and, and if you watch the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog with the bad Sonic, yeah, you, you almost see a bit of classic Jim Carrey and the Doctor Robotnik. You see yes. that, and it's like, okay, cool. That is classic Jim Carrey there. The one-line quips that cut and the And he's coming arm. back and he's yes. being funny again. I'm just like, although I love Bruce Almighty and I love Yes Man, but those had moments where yes. they're very, you know, very lighthearted and very deep and very dark. And then Eternal Sunshine, like one of the greatest movies of all time, you know. But I just, I just want to see Jim be funny again. And it just hurt me yes. that, like, he feels that he's at a level where he can't be himself. And so... Everybody, just remember this. While we do get a say-so in everything, sometimes we're not always right. Yeah. We, we buy the tickets. We support these people. But 
a lot of the times they don't have that say so they can, yeah. they can only do so much it's just like us in our everyday jobs we have bosses we have people we report to uh, even if you own your own business you have your customers and there's a, a passion there's something that you might want to do but they don't necessarily agree with yeah and and and, and there's contracts too yes. there's so many contracts involved I mean and that's the thing too that a lot of people don't take into consideration is for every contract for every project there's a legal team. Mm -hmm. There's people looking over those contracts. There's people, I mean, no, nothing is just, hey, we're making a movie and we're going to make it. Okay, it's done. Like, that's not how that works. Same with a TV show. Like, there, there's several people. I mean, just look at the credits. Yeah. You know, I have friends who work in film. And sometimes, just for fun, I've watched things that they've worked on. And I look at the credits and I'm like... Boop, and I pause it, and I pause the Apple TV or the Roku, and I'm like, "That's my friend. That's her," you know. But then she's telling me about her story, and that she worked for 36 hours at one point without sleep, you yes. know. Or or they they travel for six months at a time, randomly like a carnival, you know, going from location to location. I mean, it's it's not easy work, and it really upsets me too. A lot of people. They kind of hold these actors and these entertainers to a level like, oh, you're just here to entertain. Like, just focus on your job. No, like, they work. Could could you work your job for 36 hours without eating, without sleeping, without I've taking... I've done it once. <laughs> it's for Super Bowl and... Yes, yes. Well, I did it for comic... Uh, yeah. I did it for the, you know, Compalooza at so one point it's... where I'm like... I'm going to pull an all-nighter. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I'll just... I can sleep when I'm dead. Whatever. During Super Bowl, we were working 18, 20-hour days. Yeah. And it's... Sometimes our only stacks was us running up to the... Um, to where the writers are at, the reporters are at, and, hey, grab a new granola bar or something. That's all we can eat. Yeah. But it's, a t it's hard. Yeah. Like, I played a show, actually, a couple weeks ago. Um, it was in extreme heat the venue that I was playing at uh, there they were having air conditioner issues there was literally no air conditioner and it was about 108 heat index and a couple of my friends actually had to leave because it was so hot that they couldn't stand in the crowd it was so hot that my fingers were starting to get sweaty and I was having trouble playing my guitar in fear that I was going to get electrocuted from the sweat coming from my body. And, um, yeah, they almost shut the show down. They were just like, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. we don't have any AC. Oh, my God. And people are just walking out the door. They're just leaving. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm performing, and I'm like, the show must go on, you know? And, and so, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, think about all these times that all these, like, crew producers like set direct set designer set director like all these people who are on the like cast and crew are in these extreme conditions like i mean think about like what they said about lord of the rings yeah. uh uh sean Astin cut his foot open stepping into the lake in that one scene whenever he came after frodo you know, and, and it's just like little things like that. Or you hear about these people like actually losing their lives as stuntmen, yeah, you know, and it's like 
the the average fan needs to kind of the well I wouldn't say the average fan but I would say like the people who get the backlash who are coming crazy with the petitions and you know we need to end this or whatever like they need to understand like these people are risking their freaking lives for their job yeah. <laughs> you know all right so that's enough on Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with that said, let us get into our potion of the week. Oh, yes. So our I potion of the show, our, our pots for this episode is known as Sensei Whiskey. So Sensei Whiskey is from the Yamahashi Prefecture in Japan, which is known as the birthplace of Japanese whiskey. So this is the first time Mao's ever having Japanese whiskey. And I will say this. I consider myself um, a female run Swanson. I love whiskey. This is very smooth. It's it, it's not dry, and it's not too sweet. It's it's. I, I want to say that uh, basically this is up there with, and I dare say, Glenn Levitt. So it's so for those who've never had Japanese whiskey, this is this is kind of your run of the mill. It's extremely smooth whiskey. Uh, this one is a bit of more of a sandalwood with hints of coconut and green yes. tea in it. So extremely smooth, extremely good. Um, have to give a big props to my cousin Q who uh, bought me this bottle. Nice. So we're breaking it open. We're having it for this episode, and if you ever want to get some good. Um, Relatively inexpensive. This one's about $35, $40 a bottle, so... I'll definitely be getting more of this. Extremely um, smooth and great whiskey. This will make a great high baller. Um, highly recommend Sensei Whiskey straight from Japan. And that's where we're at with that. So, with that said, we'll go ahead and transition to our next thing. But before that... Um, since we don't, since we typically always talk about nerd stuff, I do want to give a big shout out to Albert Pujols from the Los Angeles Angels, who just set the record for most hits by a foreign player tonight. What? So, 3,167 hits. Congratulations to him. Oh Andrew my God. Uh, famer right yes. there. Yes. So, that's a big deal, and I, I grew up watching him as a kid. My big brother got me into baseball, and... Always following that, and it was actually because my big brother I got into comic books. He used to buy me comics all the time, and it's always a phenomenal time. So that is awesome. With that said, let us talk about the CW. Yes. Okay. I I have been um, I've been sitting around for the past week researching all this stuff. Talking with various people and getting their opinions. I my friends now call me the journalist because I'll just randomly like text them and be like, "Hey, so what do you think about the new Crisis of Infinite Earth?" And they're like, "Really, this again?" And I'm like, "No, please, like, give me your insight." <laughs> so for those who aren't familiar, Crisis of Infinite Earths. This is um. End game level material for yeah. the, for the DC world. In the original comic books, it was the death of Barry Allen. Yeah. It was the death of Supergirl, which was massive for the DC world because you're talking about two of its biggest heroes gave their lives to basically merge the, all the universes into one Earth. Yeah. 
and CW is attempting to do this and uh five episodes is it yeah it's gonna be five episodes five show crossover five hours long so <laughs> they for those who watch the cw uh, uh superhero series it's the arrow which is the green arrow the flash uh black lightning the legends of tomorrow and i believe this time around will be bat woman Yes, Batwoman will be a part of the Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover. So, However, her, her premiere will drop afterwards. Yes. So I know Mao is super excited about that, and we'll hit on that. Next yes. <laughs> so we have the Arrow, which if you haven't seen the Arrow series, it's the tells you the story of Oliver Queen, Oliver Queen and the Green Arrow. And Stephen M.O. does an amazing job as the Green Arrow in this, especially in the first few seasons before CW went all CW with it. And it was dark, it was gritty, it was brutal, and they did a phenomenal job with it. We have The Flash, uh, Greg Austin plays Barry Allen, and again, does a great job. And I'm one of those people who firmly believe he should have been The Flash in the movies. Yes. He, he absolutely should have been. Like, just perfect. Like, hands down. I mean, he, he owns that role. He does a great job with it. We have... Uh, also, no no hate towards Ezra, because I love Ezra. <laughs> I mean, great actor, but I was not super proud of that Flash. Yeah, I, I'm just... I'm, I'm a big fan of his other work, like Perks. Yes. <laughs> and then we have uh, Black Lightning. Chris Williams does a phenomenal job as that oh, character. Oh, he is amazing. And he is the perfect Black Lightning. Yes. In the way that, like, I never even thought that it could even be possible. And I'm a huge fan of that show. In fact, Black Lightning is my favorite of all the CWDC superheroes. Uh, I love Cronin. I thought he was phenomenal Tobias White. Yeah. And... I'll be honest, I wasn't super familiar with Black Lightning prior to the series. I went and did some research, and when I saw Tobias Why, I was like, well, Tobias Why, I was like, okay, Cronin. Black Lightning was one of the first series that I ever got into um, whenever I first decided that I really wanted to get into, like, web development and graphic design and things like that. And um, so, basically, I was a huge fan of Black Lightning and actually had a shirt that I got on eBay with his insignia on it. And I walked into college on the first day and my professor's like, are you a fan of Black Lightning? And I was like, yeah. And like after that, from then on, like college was a breeze. <laughs> so this is the first time Black Lightning's being acknowledged in the CW world. Yes, and he needs to be. And yes. that's another thing too that I kind of want to touch on. So, we also have a couple of other big characters. So, Legends of Tomorrow. Yes. The big one in there is Brennan Ralph is reprising his role as Superman for the Crisis on Infinite Earths, which, for those who aren't familiar, he did play Superman at one point in time. Yeah. And then, can we also talk about the other Superman? The other Superman. Yeah. You really want to go there. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just like, I, I, okay, I'm a huge Smallville fan, 
huge small little town. So for those who don't know, <laughs> it, 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 it has been now confirmed yes. that Tom Welling is replacing his role as Superman. I I seriously screamed and like called like three people. It was just like Tom Welling, Tom Welling, Tom Welling, and they're just like, what? Shut up. No way. Like, there's no way that's real. And I'm like, no, it's happening. Like, Smallville, that was my jam back in the day, okay? Like, that's how I got into back when it was the WB. Like, that's how I got into, like, the the new Superman. Because as a kid, like, obviously, I read the comics. I love Superman. Mm-hmm. But, like, this was kind of a very, like, I feel like Smallville was a very, like, risque like, kind of, you know, I mean, they jumped the shark with it. They honestly did. Where they're like, let's make an origin story of yes. Superman, but, like, where it's hot and it's new and it's modern. And a lot of people didn't, they didn't respect it in the, in the comic no. community. But to see this now, and so many people are coming back to Smallville after the Justice League and after the new Superman. And they're coming back to it and they're like, you know what? Maybe Tom Welling had something going on. To be fair, on. it was a bit cheesy first. Yeah, it was. It was very campy. And then we also have a third Superman. Yeah. Tyler Hochelin. Oh, and 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 here's the thing about that. It's like... It's like, Tyler, please don't knock us, but you're... And I... Tyler's a great guy. I absolutely love him. He went to Arizona State University, my alma mater. So I have some big respect for him. He's a great looking guy, but I he doesn't have that Superman swagger to Here's the thing, though, and this is where I think that he's going to come into play. And this is just my personal, like, I don't know. Like, I actually kind of had had this vision before they announced how many supermen were going to be involved in Crisis. And for those who couldn't see, Mal actually did the quotes. Yeah, I did hand quotes. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking about it. I was like, are they going to include Tyler? So then I thought, how could this happen? So, okay, look at Spider-Man in, you know, the Spider-Verse. Yes, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse had six Yeah, Spider-Man and Nick, six. Nick Cage Yes. at one point. Okay, so like... Which Nick Cage should be Superman in this. In like. fact, and that's what I was about to get to. So, you know, uh, a lot of people gave Brandon Ruth a lot of crap, but... Whenever I I saw that movie in theaters, this is really funny, actually, sorry. Um, a guy came into uh, the place where I worked and... Was uh, that the one where Lois got pregnant with his child? No, it's where Blake Lively played Lois. Thank you, okay. And then later, her now husband, uh, Ryan Reynolds... Ryan Reynolds played Green Arrow and then like Green Lantern yeah so we had this conversation about Superman like who would if Brandon Ruth doesn't work out because there was this whole like thing like you know is there going to be a sequel Superman Returns like what is happening like is there going to be a sequel and so they just kind of put it on the back burner whatever which Henry Cavill Phenomenal job of Superman. Yes, and I love Henry Cavill, and I love all of the Supermen, all of the people who have played Superman. Like, but here's the thing about all of this. I'm just thinking 
from an aspect of like, okay, Into the Spider-Verse, it was animated. Yes. So you can do anything with animation. Just same thing like, okay, going off the rails for a second. I've been drinking. Um, so Castlevania is my favorite video game series of fucking all time. Which if you haven't seen the all series right? on Netflix, yes. I recommend it. Yes. I wasn't impressed with the second season. Yeah, no, the second season was kind of too intense, but like... Which, um, you remember Kim we used to work with? Yeah. I made her watch it. She absolutely loved it. Oh, it's so good. It's my favorite video game series ever. But like, I kind of have like the, the that same idea when it comes to, okay, for instance... DC, DC does so good with their animated series. Yes. Their animation is just beautiful. Which it's you've gorgeous. Never seen any of the DC animated series, high you It's pick one and run with it. You can't it's go just, wrong. It's just oh my god! Like even like the people who were involved in the which, series, which, like which, which way you know. While we're on the topic of that, do you know who else is going to be in the Crisis of Infinite Earths? Who? Kevin Conroy. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this, I. Oh so my God. That, that might be a name a lot of people don't recognize, but if you are in your late twenties to early to mid thirties, and you grew up in your in the early nineties with the Batman the animated series and then Batman Beyond, he did the voice of Batman, which yes. is hardly. The best Batman. The best Batman of he, all he did time. The voice Other of, than Michael Keaton. Yes. <laughs> I, although I will argue he's better than Michael Keaton. Yes, he, absolutely. Kevin Conroy did the voice of uh, elderly Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond. He did the voice of Batman in all of the Batman video games, so the Arkham series. In just about every Batman anime movie, he's played the voice. Yeah. He has owned that character. For the first time ever, Kevin Conroy is given the opportunity to play Bruce Wayne as old Bruce Wayne in Cry Crisis and Infinite Earths. In the flesh. Yes. And this has been asked so many times by fans that when can we see him play old Bruce Wayne? Yeah. And the only other person who could probably pull off old Bruce Wayne at this point in time would be Michael Keaton. Yeah. So, and, and that was the one thing, though, like, when I found out that Kevin Conroy was coming into it, that's whenever I was like, I'm sold. Yes. <laughs> like, okay. Like, because, you know, I mean, I I really do love the DC, uh, you know, standalone series and all these shows and all these things, but at the same time, it's just kind of like... I, I'm subscribed to DC Unlimited, and it really makes me sad because I love Swamp Thing. I loved it. I grew up loving Swamp Thing. I like loved the, it. I remember the cartoon. I remember the brief series he had in late 80s, early 90s. He had yeah. the movie. And I'm just like, you know, there's so many things that DC is doing that just makes me sad. But at the same time, I'm not going to give up hope. I really, I'm, I'm not. Like, I will 100% completely, always to my core, be a huge DC fangirl. But at the same time, you know, like, there's there's things that are kind of different or that are changing. And, I mean, I guess the same 
think could be said about Marvel. So that's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with the boys. Like, yeah, I mean, that's why I get so excited because I'm like, yes, let's get more other comic. Which I highly recommend. While, while MCU owns the live action movies, DC hands down owns the animated oh, movies. Oh, the so, animated movies? And a lot of times they don't hold back. Oh, no. And, and also, too, um, I am now an advocate for DC Unlimited. Like, honestly, hands down, best paid service yes. that I have. Okay, so I have Hulu for free through my cell phone company. I have Netflix that I pay like $9 for. But I'm going to tell you all straight up. She has HBO because of me. Yes. <laughs> HBO because of Pete. Uh, but no. <coughs> DC Unlimited. You will not be disappointed in any way. Except for maybe Starfire. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's, so I don't have DC Unlimited yet. I do. It's on my list to add on. So I can finally start watching it. But I was in Toronto a month or two ago and... Netflix International has the rights to the Teen Titans series. Oh, the Titans? Yes. So if you're outside of the U.S., you can watch the Titans series. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you told me that. I, was like, I started watching it, and I was like, okay, this is pretty good. Then Starfire shows, I was like, oh, wow, this is just kind of bad. Yeah. And it, again, it's it's going back to the Home J. Carey thing. It's nothing against the actress. Yeah, no. It was just poorly executed. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing, too, is like... Um, and that was kind of going back to what I said before. Like, I don't like to watch trailers. I don't like to watch sneak peeks. And I'm trying as myself, as a, you know, artist, like, curator of, you know, creative content. Where I'm I'm trying not to tease people. Because I don't want people to give a false impression. But, like, the thing that, like, really got me with, like, Teen Titans that I was totally sold about was, like, you know, like, it's really gritty, it's really edgy, whatever. Well, if you go watch the trailer, and the the last line of one of the trailers is F that. Yeah. Fuck Batman, like, whatever. And, um, and so here's what's weird. Um, so you guys can't see this because you're not here in my house right now. But if I were to run into my daughter's room right now... Um, she has a actual San Diego Comic-Con um, poster in her room of Teen Titans. Like, the original Teen Titans. Not, like, the new, like, campy one that's made by Cartoon Network. But, like, the original Teen Titans. And, uh, so that's the one that she loves. She thinks that, like, the new one is stupid. The new cartoony. The new cartoony uh, one. Or Y7 or whatever. Yeah, and she's like, this is stupid. Like, she loves the original one. To be fair, like, my nieces love that at one point in time. Yeah, so she, my daughter loves the original one. Which the original one was good. Yeah, and so we were kind of talking recently, and she was like, Mom, have you watched the new Titans? And I was like, well... Yeah, and she's like, what do you think? And I was like, like, no, 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 no. You can't see Mal right now, but she's waiting. Yeah, I'm putting my hands underneath my chin. No, 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 boo. You don't want to even see this. And she was like, really? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, you know, I had so much hope for it because the animated shows 
30s are amazing. I, I will say this. The few episodes I saw of Teen Titans, it's not bad. It's by no means horrible. It's I think it's a right step for DC. Yeah. But it's not there yet. Yeah. And and I and I have hope. Like I want it to get better. But it's just like here's the thing. Okay, so like with Marvel. Okay, so I hold my allegiances to multiple comic platforms or whatever. So like um with DC, like, it's constant disappointment. You know what I mean? Like, so, it's just like, it's, why? Like, the, the DC movie universe for their live actions is a constant disappointment. With the exception of the Nolan trilogy. And Wonder Woman. And which, Wonder Woman. By the way, my daughter's room, if we were to walk into Lily's room right now and bust open the door, it's like straight up like Wonder Woman. And, and I'm, I'm Everything. willing to say this, and people might crucify me, certain characters of the Suicide Squad, I thought they were good. Yeah. I mean, I thought um, Margot Robbie's portrayal of Harley Quinn. Dude, she... If anyone could be Harley, it would be her. Yeah, she she owned it and she did Con- so good. And Kevin Conroy, for those who don't know, the Batman Harley Quinn was created for the Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. And she took it live for on her own. Uh, Will Smith is dead shot. I thought he oh, did a phenomenal oh, job. Oh, Will was amazing. At um, that. and then there was one more. Uh, what was his name? His name was. I will say this: I wasn't a fan of uh, Jared Leto, and I think it was more of the tattoos and the makeup. Well, here's the thing about that. Um, so I know the comic that he was on. Give me a second. Because I know the actual comic because I've read it. So so while Miles digging that up, and I feel a little horrible that I don't I didn't remember Jay's last name. This was Barbara. So Jay Hernandez, which may or may not be my cousin. I'll, I'll confirm at a later date. Played Chato Santana. Oh, so El Diablo, phenomenal job as that. And again, you, you heard me in the last episode talk about America Chavez, talk about Dave Batista potential pain bang but Jay Hernandez did a phenomenal job as a El Diablo as Jato Santana yeah was just great at it and really owned that role and the portrayal of him being from East LA and having that gang banging lifestyle and having that wife and I grew up with a lot of that around me yeah uh, the I didn't grow up in the best of neighborhoods. My dad did a, my dad and my mom did a great job of making sure I was raised right. Um, a lot of my family members made straight down the wrong path, but I was able to see a lot of that, so I was able to relate to it, and I think he did a great job with that. Yeah, and also, too, like, where I grew up, uh, I grew up in, like, the Port Arthur, Mid-County area of uh, Houston, you know, where, like... Uh, so, for those who are listening out of town, thank UGK. Yeah, UGK. Uh, UGK, Bumby. Bumby, like, basically. Pimpsey, rest in peace. Pimpsey, rest in peace. Like, Pimpsey, Bumby, like, they basically raised me. Um, you know. But, 
I'm I'm looking at like kind of like what I was talking about before, where like you know like the whole Jared Leto Joker like whatever, and um, I'm like where it came from, and so I was kind of looking into it and even given like you know Bun B like Pimp C and all these people like kind of like you know talking about them um <laughs> and a killing joke like the way the Joker was portrayed like it was kind of like the same aspect like he's like a freaking rapper like he's just like a dude that's just like hey like I'm trying to get under I'm trying to get like popularity or whatever and so but I mean here's the thing with the killing joke that Joker is arguably the best Joker there is. Yeah. It's Mark Hamill. So for a lot of people didn't know that Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. Yes. I mean, other than Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson, I mean, Mark Hamill is probably, and in my opinion, is the greatest Joker there. Oh is. no, he's the best Joker that ever fucking was. And and then you have Kevin Conroy as, as um. Bruce Wayne, uh, Tara Strong, which that's a name we haven't heard in a long time. She plays Barbara Gordon. Oh, I love her. She's also um, on My Little Pony. Is she really? Yeah. Tara Strong. I think she's Rainbow Dash. I'm not a pony and or a brony, but... Oh, no. We're totally ponies up in this family. That's all you do. And then... um. We have Ray Wise as Commissioner Gordon, which, if you're not familiar with Ray Wise, RoboCop, Reaper, Twin Peaks, really huge in the late 80s, early 90s. I think Mallory just Googled who he was. <laughs> oh my god, I'm like, holy shit, like, this is stuff that he's done. Yes. It's insane. So, yeah. but, Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's, yeah, okay. It's going to be, it's, it's a massive undertaking for the CW, and Greg Guggenheim, I think, is maybe one of the few who can potentially pull it off. Yeah. He is kind of like the Kevin Fig of DC. He controls the TV series. He owns it. It's, it's, they are his babies. He does the Arrow. He does the Flash. He does Supergirl, which I will go on record and say Supergirl is not my favorite. But he does Legends of Tomorrow, he does Black Lightning, and while Supergirl might not be my favorite, I will say that um, Katie Locks, who plays Sarah Lance on Legends of Tomorrow... And I met her last year. It's probably one of the best badasses. I met her uh, at, like, one of the last Comet Paloozas. Mm-hmm. Was that 17 or 18? 2017, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. that was the year we had Anthony Mackie, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That was the year we had it. Yeah, so if a lot of people don't know this, but like me and Pete used to work at a comic convention together. Yes. <laughs> we worked for the group that owned the comic convention. Yeah, we worked for the group that owned the comic convention. So, um, so we kind, of, we kind of had to work the comic convention. Yeah, that. so I was the project manager of said website marketing of said comic convention. 
But anyway, um, so my job was to basically walk around with these actors. Yeah. And be their rover. And after Mallory left, it kind of got pushed on to me. Yeah. Yeah, so it was nuts. So it was like, you know, like, hey, your job is coming on a Saturday. And come hang out with this person. And, you know, walk them around the George R. Brown Convention Center. But anyway, um, so here's the one thing that I will say about, like, you know, the whole CW thing. Um, everyone is basically keeping quiet. Yes, it's being kept under wraps, so the few things we do know is it will be Stephen Amell's last appearance as Arrow. We do yeah. know that this is his last season as Arrow, the Green Arrow. He announced it on Instagram earlier this year that he is giving up the quiver and the mask. Yeah. Uh, the thing I would want to know is, is this Melissa Benoit, Benoist, I'm not sure how she per- yeah, pronounces pronounce her last name, and is this Grant Gossin's last appearance as... Supergirl and the Flash, respectively. See, that's what I'm reading right here. It says that there will be more scenes involving Batwoman Bat- and Supergirl. One of the most empowering moments of 2018 crossover was a team up between Batwoman, Ruby Rose, and Supergirl, Melissa Benoit. However, we do not have any more information. So there's not much known. So speaking of Ruby Rose... Mao has a huge girl boner for her. Oh, God. I love her. Oh, my God. She's a badass chick. I will admit it. Oh, my God. Like, okay. So, the thing that I love about Ruby Rose the most, before, like, she ever got into, like, acting or anything like that, um, so, I don't tell a lot of people this, but I'm just being open um i'm i'm not straight (laughs) um so you know like i'm very big involved into the lgbt community i used to work for micah houston um i'm just you know i'm i'm basically an advocate and uh so Ruby Rose, to us, in, like, the kind of, like, realm that i am been moved into, ah, uh, in the bisexual, like, pan community, Ruby is our poster girl. Ruby is, like, like, she is our person. Like... When it comes to, like, a certain person who is, you know, making us feel seen. Like, she's the person that is important that we need to, like, report to. Like, that's Ruby. And so, anyway, with that, moving forward. Um, yeah, I love her. <laughs> So, I'm giving my, uh, LGBT status. I will say this. 
I I don't think it's the right time to introduce Batwoman. Yeah. I think she's almost too obscure of a character to have her own series. She should have been a regular either on Arrow or Supergirl first. Yeah, and I kind of feel like they're just like throwing it in. You know what I mean? Like, boom, here we go. Like, and just deal with it. Yeah, and, it's, <laughs> and I, I think it's, I, and I'm afraid of this, but I'm going to say, I think this might be the beginning of the end for CW and DC. Yeah. Just because they're, you can kind of see they're trying to start pushing things. And, yeah. And Ruby Rose, she's a phenomenal actress. She's going to own it. She's going to kill it, but it's, I don't think it's the right time. Yeah, no. It's not the right time. It's not not the right show. I think she should have done a movie of Batwoman. I think she would have killed it. But again, DC doesn't have their live action movies appropriately. Yeah. Um, Greg Guggenheim's done a phenomenal job with Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow. Um, he did a phenomenal job of integrating. Uh, several of the obscure characters into it and it is something that you can see is kind of trading off. Yeah. But Batwoman was really kind of your far out right field character. So with that said we do have we do we have confirmed the crisis of infinite earth will be in wrapping up in january of next year the first episodes will be airing in december it'll be five episodes long and then for those who aren't familiar with uh the cwdc shows will air through about mid-december they'll go on a three to four week break and then it'll pick up to uh early to mid-january and then it'll wrap up there, and potentially that could be the last we see of Stephen Amell as uh, Green Arrow, uh, Grant Gosson as the Flash. Yeah, and that that is something that like I'm just I'm like, how am I gonna continue after that? <laughs> I mean, one thing I am I'm still. I'm on the fence about this. I would love to see it, but I think it'd be a better movie would be Matt Ryan as John Constantine. Yes. Keanu Reeves did a phenomenal job, but Matt Ryan's kind of really owned that role. The past yeah, I know he really has. So, now anything else on Crisis? No, I'm good. Nope. <laughs> All right. So, with that said, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. So that is it for Potion Equip Episode 2. This is Peter Hernandez. And I'm Mal. And we will see you guys next time when we talk about what's coming up in the nerd and geek world. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you. Where the hell's over?